Hey, I'm Daniel, and welcome to the Milwaukee Chi Alpha Podcast. What you're going to get from this podcast is biblical encouragement for college students in Milwaukee. And if you don't fit that description, this can still be a good listen for you. What you're about to listen to is our sermon series called Sent. We're studying the book of Acts, the ordinary people who had an extraordinary story. Somebody say expectations. Hey, more than one person, right on. Hey, we got expect you. You uh, exceeded my expectations. Ha ha ha! It wasn't planned. <laughs> expectations. So tonight, we're going to talk about expectations. Um, you saw it briefly in this passage. This man was expecting something. Tonight we're going to talk about what we are expecting. Here's a pro tip, really quick, some wise counsel. Take note of your expectations. Because the reality is, you have expectations. You might not be aware of what those expectations are, but pro tip, take note of your expectations. How many of you, it's just, how many of you expected October to be this warm? <laughs> Anyone? Nobody, nobody expected it because it's way warmer, exceeding expectations. But my guess is you probably all had some sort of expectation of what fall would be like. And maybe you're just delightfully surprised that it's nicer. Or maybe now that the weather's coming, those expectations are starting to, you know, do a little right. Expectations, we all have them. Subtle, subconscious expectations. But I have another question for you. What are your expectations of these next 20 minutes? And take note, like, what are, they, what are your expectations of, of me and this message? What are your expectations of what's going to happen here? What are your expectations of what happens in large group every single week? Do you have expectations? Have you ever noticed what you're expecting? What do you expect from Kyle as a whole? Or maybe to go even further, what do you expect of people in Chi Alpha? Maybe you expect a few laughs. Maybe, mmm, that's good, Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, there's the laugh and the mmm. It was perfect. Maybe you're expecting something from God. But I want to invite you tonight to take a moment and investigate your expectations. And what are you looking for? What are you wanting? What are you longing for? And my hope is, and our hope in Chi Alpha, is that you will come with an expectation to experience and know the God who left his throne to know you, to save you, and to bring you into his family, right? Like, our, expect, our hope is that you will come here expecting to know this God, right? Not just, although we, we love community, right? We talk about it every single week. We love being together. And as Luke already mentioned, community is, is awesome. And it's something transformative, right? We talk about life-changing community. What makes life-changing community, this transformational community, is, is Jesus at the center, right? And our hope is that in this community, you will experience and expect God to work in you here. 
And as we come and worship him together, he will do something bigger than we could expect. And that's really my main point tonight. If you get anything, we all have expectations. We all have a picture of what's going to happen with the longings, where we have things we want to happen. We expect it will go this way. But God wants to do something far bigger and better and deeper and truer than we could possibly imagine. Sometimes we get our expectations right. We want God to fill in the blank, and then he does. But my hope is that we will notice what our expectations are and recognize that God might want to do something bigger and deeper. We have expectations, but maybe God wants to make a little bit more room, okay? And I think this passage helps us see that. And so if you have your Bible with you, right, we already read the passage, but what I would encourage you to do is open up back up to Acts chapter 3 on your own phone or your own Bible. It's good to have it with you. And I want to kind of like examine this story a little bit. How many of you are familiar with the story? You got the song in your head, right? He was bounding and leaping and praising God. Anyone? Anyone sing? Okay, a couple nods, right? <laughs> a little outdated now. Uh, you might, might have heard this story. It's a really iconic story. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I give you, walk. Powerful little scene. But let's just take a step back, right, and remember where we are in the book of Acts. Okay? Acts chapter 1. Jesus is with the disciples, and he says, you got to wait. Wait for my gift. He's coming. He's going to give you. He's going to empower you to go. And it's the Holy Spirit. And we talk about Acts chapter 2. The Spirit comes, and they're equipped, and it's powerful, and then 3,000 people come to see who Jesus is, and they're cut to the heart, right? And there's this transformative, restorative thing that happens in their hearts. Something they're made new in the inside. And then end of chapter 2, Catherine talked about this two weeks ago, about the, the outcome of that is this community starts to form, and they start sharing everything they have. And it's this restorative, beautiful, miraculous community of not just spiritual needs met in the heart, but now physical needs are met among each other. They're sharing what they have. But then we get to chapter 3. We just talked about community, and they're sharing each other's wealth and their property and all this stuff. And then here's another man who's he can't walk. He's begging. And he has physical needs. And if you connect these two stories, right, you would almost expect, here's the embodiment of what we just read. And there goes our sign. <laughs> Unexpected. I didn't expect that. <laughs> anyway... Okay, all right, all right. So Acts, end of Acts chapter 2, there's community happening. They're sharing everything. And you might expect the next very line to see the embodiment of that in the story. And here we have a man who needs something. And Peter and John, they may have come into there and thinking, oh, yeah, well, these guys just shared a bunch of their wealth. We could give it to this guy. Maybe they had that thought. But that's not what happens, right? They come in and they see him. And they say, look at us. And he, he looks at them and is expecting something in return, right? But here we see an, another piece of what God wants to do. It's not just in the heart, restorative. It's not just community, help sharing needs. Now there's physical body being restored. And the funny thing is, right after these verses, Peter addresses the crowd. You can look at their verse 11 on to the end of the chapter. Peter starts talking to them. And the first thing he says is like, why are you surprised? <laughs> 
This is the God of Jacob, you know, Abraham, Jacob, right? He's like, you know this God. This is the God you've been believing in and our, 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 our people have been believing in for generations. Why are you surprised that he's working and he's healing and restoring? And he kind of rebukes them. It's like, what did you expect? This is the God of the universe. Expectations. What do you expect from the living God? But it's, I, I, I love the, the note of like the different ways we see God working. He's restoring hearts. He's restoring community. But he's not stopping there. He wants to heal our very bodies too. So what, what does this passage like teach us about what kind of work, right? If we're to expect God to work, what should we expect from him? What kind of things should we expect from him? I think the very first thing is we can expect him to do a restorative work. His kingdom is restorative. And we see that in these verses, right? This man's legs are strengthened. They're healed. He wants to do a restorative work. But as I just said, like it's in the fullness of our being he wants to restore. He wants to restore all of creation. Sometimes he wants to restore our bodies. Sometimes he wants to restore our hearts. Sometimes he wants to restore relationships and community. But what I want you to hear in this is what we can expect of God is he wants to restore. And his hope is to restore all of us, all of his creation to the utmost in eternity. That's his goal. He wants to bring all of us into that restoration. Now, with that, though, right, doesn't mean we have the right to expect, oh, then, okay, cool, he wants to do that, so if I just pray, he'll do it. Well, hold on a second. We don't see that happening everywhere. And I'm sure you might even know people who have prayed for healing. I know people who have prayed just like this man who can't walk. He hasn't walked since ever in his life. I know people like that who have been praying and praying and believing God's going to heal them, but he, he hasn't. And talk about, like, expectations. Well, God, don't you want to do this? Well, I think he does. But with this, we have to recognize that maybe God wants to do something bigger and deeper than just give us what we want. Right? Well, this man wanted money. God did something deeper. And, and, and the point here is I want you to help see that there's we have all these expectations and things. This is how I want God to work. But maybe we have to surrender that a little bit and say, I want this, God. But what I know is I trust that you are restorative. And I'm going to just yield to what you want. And I'm going to trust that your work is going to be restorative, just like it is in Acts. We see in these first three chapters a different way of restoring, but he's restoring. But we see more here. This, the second thing we see is his kingdom is joyful. Right, look at the, the, the next thing, that the immediate response this man has. He starts walking and jumping, and he's praising God. Like, talk about a scene of joy, right? Like, when was the last time you just, like, something happened, and he just started jumping? Like, yeah, that was good. Have you had that recently? Paul Retreat, I had a little bit. That was fun. Yeah. I get hoppy. Some people know that I'm kind of hoppy. I don't know. I just kind of jump around. But I think there's something here about... You see this restoration happen and hit him, and it brings this overwhelming joy. How could it not, right? This guy has never walked, and now he gets to walk. And he's filled with joy. And my point I want to make is that when God begins to work in us, what should come out of this 
should lead us to joy. There's so many Bible verses you can go to where it talks about the gospel bringing inexpressible joy to us. As we experience him and know him, a byproduct of that is, is joy. He doesn't crush us with his fist and make us down and weary, although there are seasons. His life should bring about joy. But again, expectations. Well, if I pray, God, you want, you want to give me joy, and we pray. That means this. We have expectations. We didn't even realize that that means happy. Things are going well. We, that's not the case. Sometimes what he wants to give you is joy while you're in the midst of suffering, while things are really hard. My small group, we're going through First uh, Peter right now. And the theme of First Peter is like suffering. And yet, God's there. He's working. And he's doing something with such great purpose. And what it should do is refine us and purify us and bring about goodness and joy. His work is restorative and it brings joy. But that doesn't mean our circumstances are always nice. You see that correlation, right? We have expectations of joy, but that we have to yield again. Maybe my expectations of what joy means is this, and I'm going to surrender that to say, I know what you do, God, will bring about joy. I'm going to wait for that. Sometimes that's a process. Sometimes he brings joy in contentment, not in release or like, you know, answering your prayer the way you want, the way, the way you want it. That's two things. I think there's a third thing here we see. Jesus' kingdom is not only restorative, it's not only joyful, but it's generous. And this is really cool, because you see John and, and Peter, they come up and they look at, they see the guy, right, at the gate, and they say, look at me. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting little line. <laughs> they look at him, and they say, silver and gold, we don't have that, but what we do have, we give. And the way Jesus works and the way the Spirit leads is in that kind of way of giving, not taking. His kingdom is not about taking what you have so you can have it. He's about giving. When we see, when we expect what God wants to do in our life, we can expect that he's going to be generous with himself, with his life, with his grace. But just like in the story, this man wanted wealth. He wanted money. And we so often expect generosity to mean dollars. Sometimes that is the case. And I have stories of God being incredibly generous financially and providing for my physical needs in that sense. But man, he is generous on such a deeper level. Maybe he wants to be generous with his life, his love and his grace. As Ephesians 1 talks about, his lavish grace for us. It's that, that lavish generosity idea. He's poor. He just wants to pour it out on you. Who he is, he is incredibly generous. And his kingdom is incredibly generous. His work in our lives is incredibly generous. He's not stingy. But, again, we surrender our expectations of what, how he wants to be generous for us. Because he knows what we need. The last thing I noticed in this passage is the riskiness of it. His kingdom is risky. In that, Peter and John, they step out boldly in faith, right? 
They're making a pretty bold claim, a miraculous claim, like, hey, we don't got money. But what we have, we give you. Walk. Have you ever said that to someone? That's bold. It's risky. And yet, you don't see them waver. They're confident, and they're led by the Spirit. That's what Acts is trying to teach us, is that the Spirit is, is leading these disciples to move, and they're, they're, the Spirit is working through them in just the same way that Jesus is working, because Jesus was healing people all the time. And now we have our first physical healing among the disciples, empowered by the Holy Spirit. The, this man didn't expect it at all, and yet here we have this generous, joyful, restorative work out of a step of faith, right? When was the last time you were risky with your faith? In that, you stepped out and trusted him and said, God, I know that you're going to, I trust you, and you're going to work. You put this on my heart, and I'm going to step out in this. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. We step out in faith. I don't know why, but I'm grateful. I don't know how you made a way, right? It's that same idea. He's going to do it. But are we willing to step out and live a little bit more risky? We see it in verse 16, later on in the chapter. We didn't read this verse, but Peter begins to describe what, what you just saw was by faith in Jesus. Nothing else. It was faith in him. So brought this man to restorative walking. He's leaping. He's joyful. Risky. We can expect these things of God. We can expect him to be restorative. We can expect him to bring joy. We can expect him to be generous. We can also expect him to ask us to be a little bit more risky. And all through this, we are given the, the task of surrendering our expectations of how he does those things. When I was, uh, I was a junior, and I had just transferred from UWM, and I was at a Bible college, North Central University. I just felt like God had changed my life. He'd called me to, to become a pastor, to do this. I didn't know what this meant, my expectations. I didn't know what they were, but this is, this is he was calling me to. So I got to Bible college, private school, a little more expensive. But I trusted that God was going to provide for my needs. And that summer uh, beforehand, I, and, and even before that, when I was a UWM student, he provided for me miraculously. I had a full tuition scholarship, like, just to run. And so, like, God, God made a way for me. And so, as I transferred and went to, now I'm like, oh, I know what you're calling me to do. I had confidence in it. It's like, I'm going to the school. I don't know where the money's come from, but you've done it in the past, so you're going to do it again, right? And so, I had expectations that he was going to come through financially for me. But I didn't have all the money, so I was on his payment plan, right? And it was about this time of year. It was about October. And my next school payment was due. And I still hadn't found a job. The money didn't just show up in my bank account. Nobody reached out to me and said, hey, I got 1500 bucks for you. Like, nothing. And I started to realize those were my expectations. I trusted God was going to do it. But I expected him to provide through a job or through some miraculous out there. But as the date of that, the due date for that bill came, panic, panic started to set in. And I realized, like, I, I don't know what to do. I, I got to do something. And so, like, I texted my dad. 
Dad, um, I'm going to take out a loan. Can you co-sign for me? <laughs> and like, because I was like, I don't know what to do, but I got to pay this thing. What else do you do? But I, I had another expectation, that it would, I would not be that kid who relied on his dad's wallet. I didn't want that. And I expected that God would honor that and do what I wanted. But I, what I realized, what I realized, and my dad called me like 10 minutes later after that text. He's like, Jeff, what are you doing? You're not taking out a school loan. Let me, be, let me be your dad. I don't know the exact words, but it was along those lines. Let me be your dad. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. And he paid that bill. And I was so frustrated and ungrateful and it's like God why I didn't want this I wanted you to miraculously provide for me but what God began to do in me began to tell me I wanted your dad to be your miracle it's like why, why can't I do what I want why can't I use the person I want to bless you to provide for you I had all kinds of expectations of how God was going to work. And he broke through all of those, and he, provi- he made a way in a way I didn't expect. I expected he would provide, but I didn't want him to do it that way. My question for you is, what are your expectations? Catherine, you come and begin to play. What are your expectations? What are your expectations for life? What are your expectations for a career? What are your expectations for, for money? relationships, sex? What are your expectations? What are your expectations of other people? Of these people? Of Christians and of Chi Alpha? What are your expectations of God? We don't get to define how God wants to work in us. He does. He does want to. And we can be confident that he is going to work in your life and it's going to be restorative, it's going to be joyful, it's going to be full of generosity. But he might ask you to be a little risky with it and surrender your expectations. What he has is for you. It's for you. But if you read the end of the chapter, the last line it says, like, all these things were done for you. So you turn your life around. God wants to do all this for you, to turn your life back to him. But then there's something more. And you see it with the, the beggar. So go back to this beggar really quick. Culturally speaking, this beggar, this beggar, this was his livelihood, right? He couldn't walk, he couldn't work, he couldn't do any of that. And his culture allowed for him that this was his place and society was expected to care for his needs. He'd be taken to the temple. It says like he was, he was there every day. And he'd been there his whole life, which I wonder if he encountered Jesus along that time, because this is only like, you know, days after Jesus. So like, I don't know. But here we are, this man who's never worked. And now Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through these disciples, has healed him and he can walk. But think about the implications for him. Of course, it's good that he can walk now. Of course, it's good. It's way better. You could do something. But now, he's just lost. He lost his income. He lost his right to sit there and beg. 
because now everyone knows him. They saw him. He was jumping and leaping. So they're not going to let him keep begging. Now he has a responsibility to participate and part of the, be part of the community, right? And he could feel the, like, oh, okay, what is this man going to go do? We don't know how old he is, but he's not learned any skills. What is he going to do? What's his expectations now? And my point in saying all that is not to bring a conundrum about like, oh, this guy, was to bring it back to us and say, as we experience God and he meets us and fills us and changes our life, sometimes we want to still be the beggar who just keeps wanting and getting and taking and receiving. And we come to things like this. We go to church and we just want people to take care of us. But what that does is it keeps us actually from letting Jesus transform us and change us. And what he wants to, what he does in you, he wants to do through you. And my expectation for us in this community is that as we let Jesus change us, that we become part of his movement and we start caring for people around us. And we start spreading around our campus and being there for someone else. Start considering the needs of someone else just like the disciples do, that we now bear the responsibility to participate. We don't get to be a beggar who just sits because we've been healed, we've been restored. And maybe you're here tonight and you're like, I, I, I haven't gotten that yet. I haven't been healed. I haven't been filled up. I haven't gotten that. Maybe tonight's your night. Maybe tonight is the night Jesus wants to meet you in that longing. He wants to restore you and bring you joy show you his generosity. But are you willing? Are you willing tonight to be a little bit risky and to surrender your expectations of what that looks like and what you want in your life? Are you willing to surrender that and say, whatever you have, Jesus, I want. I need it. I'm longing for it. I'm afraid of what's on the other side. But whatever you have is better. It's deeper. It's more restorative. It's more joyful. It's more generous. So this is what I want us to do for the next few minutes before we close. As Catherine prays, I want the prayer team, we have a prayer team around. They're going to be around the room, find a space. And here's my, my plea. Would you risky and step out and pray with someone. Maybe it means just sitting in your seat for a little bit and responding, and there's a couple prompts on the screen. You can go to the next slide of ways in which you can pray. But I would encourage you, if tonight Jesus is speaking to you, would you, would you pray with someone? Maybe it's just your small group leader, or maybe it's someone around the room you go and ask someone to pray with you. Maybe it's that first one. Pray with someone and ask to receive what Jesus offers. Restoration, joy, generosity, greater faith. Maybe it's the second one. Pray with someone about surrendering your defined expectations. I have all these expectations and I want to surrender them to Jesus. I need help. Go pray with someone. Or maybe you're in the room and you, you, you're here and you're like, I I want to surrender all of me the first time. I wasn't a Christian, but tonight I want to become one. Would you 
pray with someone. Tell them that and let them pray over you and, and lead you to a place of saying, Jesus, I want you, right? So good. So I'm going to pray and then Catherine's going to play for just a, just a couple minutes and I would love to see you step out and get prayer. Jesus, thank you so much that you are restoring us. You bring about fullness of life and joy. That you are one who gives, who doesn't take. But you ask us to step out in faith. Whatever you have is better, Lord. And so we surrender our expectations to you. Help us to surrender our expectations to you. Help us to define and understand our expectations so that we can, Lord. Meet us in this critical moment. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at MilwaukeeXA to keep up to date on our events and services. Or stop by Bolton Hall Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. in room B40.